Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Inspire Before We Expire show. I am your host, Terrell Something. Each take some time, close your eyes, five to 10 seconds. And I want you to visualize, where do you see yourself in the next three to six months? I know that in this moment and in this time age, it feels though you may not be sure or you may feel stuck but I want you to know that you're never alone, that there's somebody either behind you or aside of you rooting for you every step of the way. I want you to breathe in and breathe out. And I want you to also know that yesterday had its challenges, its obstacles, but today has its opportunities, its possibilities, and that you will persevere through any challenge you may face because you are not alone. I wanted to take some time also just to show my uh, condolences, my love, and um, sincere love out to the families and, and those that's really being impacted by this uh, storm, Isaiah, across the states, um, up north, uh, Midwest, and even down the south, and even those that's being impacted in Puerto Rico. It's something that we can't control, guys, but what we can control is our mind. But I want to take some time and just, uh, you know, really send my love out to those families and to those children because... You know, you could go through something, man, but you just never know that what being strong is and to being strong is your only choice. And I have a, a, a special, special guest today on the show who knows a lot about being strong and everything of that nature. Um, and someone who rose above from the bottom, um, you know, a very uh, good friend of mine or so, which is recent connected. And we, we've been in consistent communication. She has very interest to be on the show. Um you know, she is a phenomenal, phenomenal person from the uh, from Cebu City, Philippines, who moved to the United States at the age of 12. She's a driven opportunity junkie, as she say, who has founded two successful companies. Her first company, IT Tech Pros, Inc., was founded in 2006, and the company was formed with purpose to offer enterprise level. IT services and support the small companies. IT Tech Pros is recognized as one of the best. Yes, yes. IT services firm in their area, IT Tech Pros Inc. is an award is it is an award-winning managed IT services and cybersecurity solutions provided to small and mid-sized businesses. She is the president and proud CEO and is the senior IT cybersecurity consultant offering her services to her customers in San Diego County. She is a small business leader and in demand professional speaker, conference or event keynote speaker or moderator, a thought leader, a trainer, and renowned best-selling author. Yes, yes. In 2014, she received her special recognition by the state of California, Sydney, District 39, and the North County San Diego Business Development Center for her tenacity, hard work, and success in creating economic impact and inspiring potential entrepreneurs in the business community. She was a future guest on the Inside Scoop on A&E, and as well as the show Times Square Today on Bio. Guys, without a shadow of a doubt, I want to take some time to really introduce you to the lady herself, as I said, the phenomenal Miss Kathy David. Kathy, welcome to the Inspire Before We Expire today. Hello, Terrell. And I know that was 
quite a read of my bio and I understand the length of it. Uh, there is so much history and story behind all of that. So I do thank you for taking the time to read it. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate the wonderful introduction. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're more than welcome. And thank you for taking time to be here and be present with us today. I'm glad to have you. So, Kathy, I know it's the first time on the show today. I just wanted to take some time to um, really ask you first and first is um, when did this journey really first begin? If you can really give us a deep dive, deeper dive into your story, that'd be awesome. Sure. I, you know, my story goes way back. Uh, I'll take you really to the journey of who, what has made me who I am today. And I'll try to do my best to be as quick because obviously this can go on for hours <laughs> as a little girl in the Philippines. Um, as you mentioned, I'm originally from Cebu, uh, but I grew up between the region of Cebu and Manila. Manila is the capital or at least one of the main cities of the Philippines. And um, I lived between those two areas. But when I was about five or six years old, um, I can tell you that my first entrepreneurial journey, and I didn't realize this then, but looking back now, I realized, whoa, I've always been uh, someone who has seen opportunities. So when I was about five years old, um, me and my sister, over a few weekends, we were drawing and painting, and my sister, loves to draw. She's naturally an artist and she still is. She um, teaches class for um, young kids at school about art. That's just her passion. But going back, she used to draw and color and I love to draw and color too, but she was definitely way more natural than I was. And I just remembered our friends would come over the house and they would say, oh wow, those are really nice painting. How do I get one? And so over the course of maybe a few weekends, I told my sister, we should have an art show and invite our friends over and sell your drawings. And basically that's what I did. I went out into the neighborhood and I said, hey, we're gonna have an art show, you know, come to the house at this time. And me and my sister had a front lawn at the house we were living in and we laid out all of her drawings on the grass. And then our friends would line up in front of our house and we had a little gate and I would collect five centavos. So it's like equivalent to five cents, but five centavos for them to get in. And then we sold the drawings for anywhere from 10 centavos to like 25 centavos. And she would sell out all the time. And me and my sister, I probably did this like two, three more times, but that was really fun for me me and then as soon as like we would finish our art show we would go to the store and buy candy now I share that because um, again going back what has led me to be so entrepreneurial and I think naturally I just was very resourceful and I always saw opportunities but really the turning point of my life was when my mom had left to come here to the United States and we were left behind. And I think most parents of um, people that are from different countries have the idea of going to the United States to give a better opportunity for themselves as well as for their loved ones. And that's what she did. So we were left behind. And during this time, we were like more middle class 
in the Philippines. And then um, she left and then my uncle and her, his five kids moved into our home. Mm. And then, you know, the lifestyle change happened. So it was just me, my mom, my sister, and maybe a few helpers at this house, now plus seven. And um, somewhere along the way for about a year or two, there was some mismanagement of funds. And we lived in a gated community, again, considered as middle class. And then one day, electricity was turned off, water was turned off. The kids would grab buckets of water, I mean buckets, and then go to a well, get water, put it in the buckets, walk it back home, fill up our barrels to give us a supply of water for the week. And we did this several weekends. Now, it was really tough at that time for me having resources when my mom was there and then all of a sudden we had no resources um, was really tough and then the same thing at school um, I couldn't really participate in some of the activities because I didn't have books for classes which really I feel like it hindered me with my ability to learn and especially during like the first six seven years of your life that those are your formative years that are very important for you to learn at least some of the fundamentals and I really didn't start learning how to read until much later than what would be considered standard here in the United States. Now, a few, maybe about two years, two and a half years after that, um, finishing up my third grade, my aunt, who's my mom's oldest sister, picked us up from Cebu. She just appeared one day and said, you and your sister, you're coming with me. We're going back to Cebu. Now, when you're at that age, you don't really question why, but we went, took a plane ride back to my birthplace, Cebu, and we lived with her. My aunt, she's a very affluent businesswoman who also is married into a very affluent um, man who was what you would consider old money in, in the Philippines, and they own a lot of different successful businesses, real estate and retail, restaurant, jewelry, manufacturing, and going from middle class into the same house. So my aunt, who is still very successful today, um, took us into her home in Cebu, and she owned and still owns businesses, her and her entire family. And basically I was exposed to that lifestyle now we went to private school. There was really not much we needed to do other than to show up and go to school and really enjoy life. Um, I didn't feel privileged or entitled or anything like that. I was just enjoying myself as a kid. So I did get exposed to a really great few years of my life that I think for me now that was my reference point to how I wanted to live my life because I saw what was possible. After maybe a few years, when I was in middle of my fifth grade, we got the news that we were moving to San Francisco and to be reunited with my mom. Mm. During that time, I, to be honest with you, I didn't want to go because life was great. Um, but I knew I needed to be with my mom. So me and my sister took that flight across the Pacific Ocean from Cebu to San Francisco 
and was really happy that I was reunited with my mom. Uh, it was definitely a culture shock going from the island of the Philippines to a big city like San Francisco. And then also not just with a cultural change, but weather change coming, you know, from the tropics to average temperature, 40 to 50 degrees and mostly cold. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, we moved with my mom, very happy. We got reunited. And at that time, she was married to my stepdad. Um, and then again, you would consider us middle class in San Francisco. And I, to be honest, I started working um, part time at a local flower shop just literally down the steps from our apartment and just like a few houses down and I you know helped this old lady at her flower shop and um, really enjoy just helping cleaning flowers and earning a few dollars after work I mean sorry after school almost pretty much every day since I was 12 um, and what that taught me was that oh okay you do a little bit of work you, you do it good and you help someone else, it's easy to make money. Hmm. And uh, that was one of those things that I learned again, you know, when I was 12 living here in the U S. So, um, after a few years of moving here, my mom and my stepdad divorced and we were abrupt, we abruptly moved from our apartment in San Francisco to a studio, um, room, basically it was a room with just, the bathroom and the small little countertop with um, enough for a stovetop. And that was really it. And me and my sister and my mom slept on the floor for a number of years. And again, for me, that was really devastating where I had so many different lifestyle changes and really got through some depressive periods of my life. And, you know, going to school too in the city, um, it was definitely really rough and during that time in uh, my middle school even a little bit through my first few years of high school um, I was exposed to people that weren't really that great for me <laughs> I got into a lot of trouble and it doesn't look like it now Terrell but I <laughs> I was a little street fighter I'm not proud to say it that's not who I am but when you live in a city where your survival um, depends on you protecting yourself there you know I was able to pull from somewhere underneath this you know small petite exterior you know the ability to, to fight um, I got involved with a few you know gangs and that was the, the, the environment back then I don't know what it's like these days but um, there are a few times where I thought I was gonna go to juvie um, but somehow um, the worst that had ever happened to me was gotten suspended from school. During my eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th year period of my life, there were really some dark moments. I got really depressed, um, but I just hunkered down. I mean, I went to school and I was fortunate enough to also land a part-time job at a restaurant at Fisherman's Wharf. So I went to school. Um, and then after school, I would take that bus ride to Fisherman's Wharf. It took like an hour and a half to two hours to get there, but my shift started like at 4.30 or 5, and I would be working till 12.30 in the morning, and I would take the bus home. Um, I wouldn't get home till 1.30, 2 a.m., and then I still had to do homework and then get up at like 6.37 to go to school and do it over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I really hunkered down and focused on just getting through, but while going through it, it was definitely, as mentioned, really tough. Um, but through those moments, again, the reason why I shared the story from the very beginning is that mm. I have a reference point. I had a reference point. Mm. I know what it's like to be middle-class. I know what it's like to be feeling poor and poverty now where we really, um, maybe, but you know, lacking some of the basic things that the average person had, um, I felt really poor. And then mm. going into living in a mansion, having drivers, giving you everything, and then being surrounded with my aunt and uncle who had massive businesses. Mm. And so my reference point has always been, yeah, you know what? This is really crappy right now when I was in high school, but we slept on the floor for a number of years. Me, my mom, and my sister, it was really cold. And I had to work really hard to even help my mom with bills. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I didn't, I tried to do anyway, even though probably she didn't feel that way was I made enough money to basically took care of my own basic needs. If I needed, you know, clothes for school, I, I knew how to do that. I would just work, save enough money, bought myself my stuff. Mm. Um, I had basic insurance with my mom. I needed glasses, but I hated wearing my glasses. So I mm. saved enough money so I can get my contacts at mm. when I was uh, going into my junior year of high school. So I've always been very resourceful and I've always kept my sight on the bigger goal, which was anything is possible. I've lived it. I have a, a frame of reference of what a good life looks like, feels like, and what it takes to get there. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So when I was about incoming my junior year in high school, life was tough. I didn't do well in school. I couldn't focus. There was a lot of problems at home and I felt like all of the arrows were just shooting at me so fast. And I basically had a nervous breakdown and I ended up at the hospital for about three weeks. When I was at the hospital, I mean, I was really depressed. And I think that first week when I was there, I was just crying the entire time. And even the medical folks who were in the hospital were really concerned for me. And the reason why I was so much in that pain, because I held so much in. Imagine, you know, going back, I shared with you, being left by your only parent and to be taken care of by so many different people other than your parents. And even for me growing up, I, I didn't know my dad. I never met my dad. And so I always had this issue of self-worth. And when I was at that hospital, I really had time to contemplate and really look at my life like, oh my goodness, you know, what is life about? I, be, I was put into so many different situations in such a short period of time. I've experienced all of these things. Now, in between two, there were some people that took care of me who were not nice. And so there were a lot of pain points that I can't even begin to describe to you, but they were all stuff that I internalized. And it basically, it was like a pressure cooker <laughs> situation for me. And that was that point for me where I couldn't hold any more pressure. But while I was at the hospital, I saw other minors who were there with me. And I remember seeing this one guy who was there because he was trying to kill his stepdad. Mm. And then there was also 
another girl who was there because she was repeatedly raped by relatives and people who were closest to her. Mm. And there was one guy who just liked to steal and cut himself. I mean, I could just begin. That was only three of maybe a dozen and a half of us that were in that hospital. And then I had really had to think to myself, was, is my life really that bad? Yeah. <laughs> you know, not that I'm comparing pain or suffering because all of us were in there because we were all in pain. It just right. expressed differently. Mm. And so when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, I did experience a little bit of physical abuse when I was in Philippines. Did it kill me? No. Mm. You know, um, did I have anyone really hurt me beyond that? No. You know, so I started to question and look at all of these people. And I said, my life is not that bad. Hmm. And so I still have the ability to figure out how I'm, I'm going to make it better. And so after that internal contemplation, while I was in there, I really, one, I, I didn't want to stay there because I learned that if you didn't do the activities <laughs> that they had planned for you, and if you isolate yourself, then you become more of a risk. Yeah. And the more that they hold you, held you back in that place. And so I was motivated to get out of there. Mm. So I did like, okay, this is a game to me. I'm going to play and I'm going to play. My first goal was I'm going to get out of there. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. It took an, an additional two weeks. I was there about three weeks or so. But when I got out, I made a decision that I'm going to live life on my terms. I was old enough. I knew how to work for my money. Um, even though I was only about a few months before turning 16, I requested from my mom, not in a nice way. I'm saying this diplomatically, <laughs> but I requested to be emancipated legally. Um, but in the process, what I did is um, move to San Diego from San Francisco and I basically just uprooted myself and left because I didn't want to be in that environment anymore. I didn't like that city at all. I didn't like the people who I was subjected to be around because I didn't have a choice but to. I mean, I did have a few handful of really good friends, but I can only say two or three people. But beyond that, it was just a brutal environment for me to be in because everyone was involved in gangs and blah, 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 you know, all of that stuff that happens in the streets, right? Yeah. But I knew myself, that's not what I stood for. And Moving with five other kids, you guys are carrying buckets of water to just bathe and do these things. Like, like people that's listening from the Inspire before we expire, I want you guys to really, really hear me out, you know, honestly. Um, and then all of a sudden, your aunt came into your life, her, you know, and really say, y'all coming with me. So it's like, I look at it as like, wow, you know, and, and, and things of that nature. And then as time go by, you now reunite with your mom and everything. And you guys are like happy. But then now, years down the line, you want to be emancipated. And you was going through depression because that started as young. So I got a two-part question for you. And then we, we could keep going. Um, first is, why is it that when your mom left, you know, you were like, okay, I know you guys was asking questions like, man, why, why did she just leave us behind? We are her children. And y'all reuni reunite. Why say, okay, um, 
now I really want to be emancipated. Like when did that come in mind? And also going through that depression stage, especially for my young people um, or so like that, how did you overcome? Like who was in your corner or maybe somebody that really gave you some advice to really help you get through that? If you can really share that with our younger generation, I really appreciate that. I want to clarify your question. So you want me to walk you through what I was thinking when I was little, when my mom left? Um, just, you know, going from when she left and then you, you all reunite and then you saying that, well, of mm-hmm. course you went into this, this mental health place is similar to what it was. Um, people, you know, around young kids, like I said, you're not alone right in the beginning. And then he was around the people. So you didn't say, I want to be emancipated. Like why, why then now you're saying that I feel like this is what's best for me um, to say mm-hmm. that I want to be responsible for my own self and then going through that depression. Cause the thing is we have a lot of young people that's tuned in right now. And they always message me. That's just going through different stages of life, you know, depression, um, mental illness, um, you know, anxiety, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of these, uh, you know, mental health issues that, you know, people are going through. So I think it will really help them to let them know how you overcame that stage, you know, and what guided you to overcome. So yeah, that, that's really it. Thank you for clarifying. Now, one of the things that I can tell you that I've always been since I was a little girl, because I, we were left behind quite a bit. You know what I mean by left behind quite a bit? I spent a lot of time by myself. Even though there were people in my life, um, so we'd get back to the house, I found myself just being on my own and playing on my own. And I'm very observant. And I say this because living, for me as a girl, being born into... Um, I guess I don't like to use the term third world country because a lot of these third world countries that that's a reference from like 50 plus years ago. Right. But that's still a term we use today. But a lot of other foreign countries are very modern these days. But I say that as a girl, we were conditioned or I was conditioned not to speak up. And to be nice, to be polite, do what you're told, all of that. And girls are supposed to be nice. I'm the complete opposite of that. (laughs) So when I did, for lack of a better term, what they would consider disobey, because I'm a girl and I shouldn't disobey, I would get punished. And over time, having the experience that I learned to be quiet. But along in the process of being quiet, I was very observant, Mm -hmm. looking at people's behaviors, what were people doing? And I went in my head. There was a lot of dialogue in my head. And I learned to like to spend time with myself. So a lot of times I would go and find myself um, playing out in the fields, climbing trees, and I would just sit there and basically imagine myself. And this isn't um, Cebu where the water is not that far from where we live. And I would seriously sit and look beyond the ocean and think to myself, what's beyond that? What's over there? I want to go there. Mm -hmm. And that was, I've always been that person. So I share that with you because being observant and looking at other people's behaviors, then I was able to say, 
is that who I am? Is that what I want to be? Why is that person so mean? So there was a lot of questioning that was happening. And then I would turn it back to me and say, when I grow up, I can do better. When I grow up, I'm going to be nice. When I grow up, I'm going to do this when I grow up. So that's a lot of, I'm sharing a lot of my internal processes that I went through as a little girl. And even through my younger, you know, adolescent and teenage years, that, that was the same thing that I did. You know, mm. why is this group this way? Why are they bullying me? Why, why I'm a nice person. Mm. And depression, um, to be honest with you, who guided me through all of that, there were definitely friends who were positive people in my life that at least I was able to vent to and talk to. But to be honest with you, there was really not that mentor for me. But I will tell you, though, one of the other things that I really directed my a lot of that negative energy too was work and I was fortunate enough even at like 14 or 15 years old being able to land work Mm -hmm. at at that age and I really was so grateful and thankful to my bosses who gave me a shot and not that it was it was a lot of unsaid appreciation even just that my part-time job at a restaurant they really treated me well yeah. And so I, again, I have a way of comparison because there's contrast, right? Mm-hmm. There's the, the dark side and then there's the light side. And mm-hmm. I live both together at the same time. So I always have that like contrast. Now, going back to depression, um, I got into that because sometimes there's a tilt where you're more on the dark side than you're more on the lighter side. Um, who really got me out of that, as mentioned, because I was so introspective and uh, did a lot of dialogue and questioning and being observant. It was really for me, I had to really dig deep and do this for myself. Mm. I, I had to do it for myself and nobody else. Now, is that, it's, it's not a, an easy thing to do. But because of my experiences, again, I was, I, I had to, it was sort of like my livelihood. It was my survival. Um, because people, I be, it's, it's like this thing. It's like, I just knew, I just knew I can do it. And, and I know not a lot of people have that confidence and belief in themselves. But one of the things that you have to do is you have, for me, I had to be my own cheerleader. I had to back myself up and say, you know what? We got this. Yes. It's going to be scary. And yes, it sucks right now, but I'm going to choose a better life because I know there's a better life. Yes. Um, again, I just really appreciated the people that really saw these glimpses in me and gave me opportunities. And I just continued to press into those things, press into those things. And then I get into this deep, dark depression of I'm not worth it. I'm not lovable. I, you know, no one likes me, all of these things. And I had to block it off for a lack of better, like description to you. And I had to really take a look at the possibility, possibilities in my life more and really tilt to that way. Or if you want to say lean into it, walk into it 
and that's what I did. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Um, I love that. And, um, you know, like, what is some advice you would give to like some young people right now that's really listening, mm -hmm. you know, to really, um, to help them understand that, you know, uh, we have to speak more light into our life because we know what the dark may feel like. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I know people fall into depression and this is me looking back to, we fall, there's so many different reasons why people fall into depression, but I think when you are in your teenage years and adolescent years, one of the things that I knew I struggled with was purpose. When we don't feel like we're purposeful, it feels like we're not living life. Mm. And that's really our essence as human beings is that we are here to be engaged with other people for a purpose. Mm. And so for me, what got me through the depression is that I had a part-time job. That was my purpose. Mm. I had a reason to contribute to something. Now, if you, depression, again, that's just one, I would say that's probably one of the main reasons why people fall into depression is because they don't know what their purpose is. Now, I'm not saying I don't want you to fall into this trap. Well, how do I find out my purpose? How is it that, you know, I want to do my purpose. It could be as simple as doing something as little as volunteering somewhere. Um, go down the street and help an old lady with her house. Find purpose. It doesn't have to be this big thing that you're going to save the world, <laughs> right? But when you put yourself in action and do something meaningful for other people outside of yourself, mm. that gives you purpose. Mm. When you have that purpose to contribute, then you're leaning more into that light. You're directing that energy that is stagnant. And when energy is stagnant and it stays there and you have no action to engage into some type of purpose then it leads into depression mm. and that's just one and i'm able to describe and dissect this because i've had to look back at my own life and do that reverse engineering as well mm. so it could just be easy as go volunteering go help a neighbor um, find a part-time job. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be the best job ever, but find something that you can c contribute and engage yourself 100% that you're doing, um, you're helping some, someone or a cause other than yourself. Yeah. That's one way to get out of depression. The other way, I mean, the, the logical and more, medically right thing to say is reach out to somebody mm -hmm. talk to somebody um it does if if it's no if you don't feel safe talking to people who are closest to you in life their school there's their counselors um you know talk to somebody because again we in, we can when we keep and internalize all of the pain points we experience in life. Remember what I said earlier about the pressure cooker? Yeah. You become a pressure cooker and once you can no longer handle the pressure, it's going to blow. Right. And it can be expressed in so many different ways. Hmm. 
Um, now, think of yourself in that state when you're leaning more into darkness. Basically, you're in stagnation. You're in stagnation. Your energy has no purpose. And you also find people getting into the wrong type of purpose, like getting into a game, getting into those types of things because it gives them purpose, right? Now they belong to a group. The purpose of this game is this. It's the same expression as you saying, okay, I'm going to find a purpose and I'm going to go help this old lady to doors from me who can no longer garden because she's old. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's just expressed in different ways. Mm. Absolutely. I love that. People that's listening right now, please take notes because it can be simple. Our purpose may not happen overnight, but it's within, it's within us. You know, it's, it's, it's really still within us. And, you know, like um, Kathy said, you know, Ms. Cat said, you know, you got to take some time to really do the simplest things, volunteering, helping an elderly person, um, you know, or just really uh, learning from somebody, you know what I mean? Somebody that's there already. Um, life is interesting, you know, the journey is real interesting. But, um, you know, we all we all been through a stage, you know, some type of stage, you know, is it, especially when you're a teenager. That's when you really go through things and you think, you know, you know a lot. You're going through different emotions. And then when you become old older as an adult you're like man i wish i was a teen again you know so um thank you i know you were trying to share something earlier and i had a uh, kind of like we we went back and so you said something about your, your hubby or something like how y'all came across each other paths i guess that was getting into how you guys started with tech yeah. like when did that when did that passion come about but you know i'm enjoying you so far okay good well i met jeff my freshman year in high school okay and um it was one of those things I think we just clicked immediately. Mm. And I won't tell you the whole story there, but <laughs> you know, we've been together now going um, for 27 years. Amazing. Congratulations. Dang. From now it'll be 28 years. Has it been an easy no, but has it been worth it? Yes. So that's the reason he was my guiding post too during that time. And we were also going through our own different set of challenges. And the reason why he moved down here to San Diego too was he was getting into a lot of trouble. And he was getting ready to get deported back to the Philippines because mm. of the stuff that he was getting himself into. And that's a different story altogether. Right. But um, we definitely, we, we were like, hey, we got this. Like, let's buckle down and, and do this. So he was someone that, was my anchor during that period. And when I left to move down here to San Diego, I had a reason, I had a reason to move down here. Um, but we made it happen. We focused on building ourselves as uh, professionals. We were very fortunate, even for me, I was very fortunate to land a pretty good career at 19. And really what it came down to was I was driven to succeed. Yes. And when you have that drive to succeed and you're willing to put in the work, people will believe in you. Yeah. I was only, um, I was, so at that time, um, fast forward to about 18 years old, um, I was pregnant with okay. my oldest daughter, okay. but I was going to school and I was working. And I had her, um, and then I went to work at a restaurant. I went to school during the daytime, part of the daytime, and then waitress at night. And then I met some executives at a Fortune 500 bank, and they were my customer. And 
I was just doing my thing, like doing good for people, going above and beyond for people. And mm. I think they saw that. And before they left, they gave me their card and said, you need to apply for this position. We will hire you. Mm. And this was only me after having my daughter just a few months prior. I was um, just about to turn 19. And I said, hey, why not? Let me go do this. Mm. Give you a frame of reference. My hourly rate at that restaurant as a waitress was $6.20. Right. <laughs> That's unheard of these days plus tip. And then I got that job as a personal banker mm -hmm. and I was immediately bumped up to $13 an hour mm -hmm. and this is the job as a pay increase at 19 with no formal university degree. I was going to school and this is a job that most college graduates would land. You needed a business type of degree to even be considered for this role. I share this because I was able to land a job that typically a person with a degree would land with me only being 19, with my drive, with my tenacity, with no formal degree. Mm -hmm. I say that because everything is possible. What it comes down to is your belief of yourself, build up your self-confidence. And one of the things that I said in my interview, when I was asked, you don't have any experience experience why do you even why am I it was sort of like you shouldn't even be in this room type yeah. of a vibe <laughs> and now I say the managers who gave me the card said was like we're hiring you yeah. but I had to go through a series of interviews yeah. and this was the interview with a top honcho she was like the top executive here in San Diego County and she's like why are you even here like, you have no experience. Yeah, you've waitressed. Hmm. And I said, well, I'm, I will be successful. Yes. You hmm. hire me, I will make sure that I will be successful. I will do whatever it takes. If you need me to go file papers, I will go file papers. I will be good at it. I will be successful. And I will take on the challenge because I'm driven to succeed. I am determined to succeed. Even I think with that just really firm believe in myself. She was like, all right, welcome to the team. Mm. Um, so I want whoever is listening here, mm. I want you to get lean into yourself a little bit more, not the daily dialogue of, I don't have this and I can't do that. And you know, I'm poor or we don't have the money. That's the wrong mindset and energy to focus on. And to build yourself and your confidence is to, again, give yourself some purpose. I guess start there. Give yourself some purpose. Get involved mm. in the community one way or the other. If you can't get a part-time job, get involved in the community. Because you know what? You get involved in the community. You build relationships. You never know where that will lead you. And it can get you into a different opportunity. Someone knows somebody and as long as you do good and you do what is right and you show your best to people around you, people will root for you and people will support you. Yeah. So I guess start with that. And then we are now 
so lucky because we have access to the internet. There's really no more saying of, well, I don't have access to education. I don't have Mm -hmm. access to this. YouTube, these days you can YouTube everything. And I will say, start listening to people that inspire you. Mm. It doesn't doesn't matter what genre. If art inspire you, go look at somebody who's painting. You know, if sports inspire you, go into that. Immerse yourself with the things that really inspire you. Mm-hmm. And then see how you can get involved, even just a tiny bit in your community. And where, again, discontent comes in and depression comes in is if you go from here and you want to be like here all of a sudden, mm-hmm. right? Like I want to, I, I, I want to, let me give you this example. You want to be a baseball player, but you've never picked up a baseball bat in your entire life. Yeah. Hmm. So do the first thing first is learn how to crawl and then walk before you can run. So do those little baby steps to experience small successes in order for you to really enjoy long-term um, joy in life. Do what, do those little things. Um, how you build your confidence, it is that, is surrounding yourself with things that matter to you, surround yourself with people who inspire you. Your environment may not be perfect, but look for ways how you can make it better. I'm a, I am a big supporter of if your environment is toxic, get the heck out of there. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, I don't know. I'll start asking questions. See <laughs> in your community can help you and make it happen. Mm-hmm. One of the things that will hold you back is your own, your own self. If you say, you know what, I can never do this. I can never do that. I don't have this. I don't have that. That type of talk and belief is not productive and it's not going to get you where you need to, to, to go. But instead say, you know what, I may not have this, but how can I get that? So switching it around and having positive self-talk as well as questioning I, I find that when I question things, I try to find answer to things. And if I don't mm. have the answer to it, I look for people who has the answers to them. Mm. So it's as simple as that. It's not this impossible thing that can't happen. A lot of people, I'm only one example. There are millions of examples of, and stories out there like Terrell, you've got an incredible story yourself. And believing if 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 no one else around you believes in you you've got to stop that listening to those people and you have to start being your own cheerleader and start believing in yourself and that's what i've had to do absolutely powerful absolutely Mm -hmm. i love that everything you said and people from inspire before you expire please please take in and implement it to your life very very powerful so kat um You know, I wanted to uh, really ask you, you know, you said that you had an interview with this young lady and she said you have no experience, you know, and you proved that, listen, I am the person for the job. I'm willing to take, I'm willing to do what's necessary to be Mm -hmm. successful. You always spoke that into existence. and That's why you are the Mm -hmm. successful woman you are today. So as we just go along this journey and we just, we, we moving forward, 
Mm-hmm. When did that breakthrough finally happen for you as far as that profession and, and the success coming into line? Mm-hmm. So it, it started that, it started there. I was given the opportunity and to be honest with you, I felt very fortunate and I didn't take it for granted. Yeah. The one of the things is when you're given an opportunity, don't take it for granted because if you take it for granted, it will be taken away from you. If you're not a good custodian of things that you have been blessed with, it'll either, either die or you lose it. Mm. So for me, when I was given that opportunity, I know how big it was because I was only 19 years old and I am here. You know, I was actually in the first, not my first branch, but the second branch that I was put into, I was really looked down upon and felt like an outcast. And I was even questioned, like, how did you get this job? You don't even have a degree, blah, 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 blah. And that really got to me. And it's not a good environment to be in. And luckily I got moved to another location where I just thrived because it didn't matter. It was all about coming together for a greatest, greater purpose. I loved it. And then we just crushed it. Mm-hmm. You know, we crushed it together. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean about getting involved into something that you can put your energy towards that's greater than you are putting it and just like slaying the, you know, crap out of it. Yeah. That's, that's what <laughs> makes it fun. Cool. So I, it took me about two years because I had to navigate through that corporate environment. But after that two years, what I really found like who I'd like to work with and the flow, I, I really just embraced it. And from there, I was constantly one of the top performers in our region. I got mm. really quickly from banker to service manager to ops manager to assistant vice president bank manager all in the time by 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 the time I was like 23 and then I just did the same thing it's like I just continued to focus my energy towards a greater purpose and that greater purpose is whatever that objective was for that company but the last two years when I worked for my corporate job Then I started to question (laughs) Mm -hmm. again, because you get to a certain point in your career where you really, for me, I felt limited in my job description and I felt like I was just in my box and I knew I needed to do more and that's, I needed to do more. And so I realized I needed to do more and my husband kind of parallel, right? You're hearing my story, but he's on the other side. He's been in the IT space since 98. Mm-hmm. By the time I was realizing that I needed to start my business, he was an IT manager for a biotech company. And um, he decided, he was like, hey, you know, wouldn't it be great if we got together and started an IT firm to offer enterprise IT to small businesses? Mm-hmm. Me, at that time where I'm like, okay, by this time I was about 26 and a half going on my 27th birthday. And I've been lucky enough to experience a lot of great successes in my professional career. I didn't have an IT background, but I had finance and consulting background. And I help a lot of my business customers with their financing and treasury management needs or cash management needs for their businesses. So that's what my focus was the last six years when I was working for my, the bank. 
And then along that way, I was also exposed to some project coordination with the IT team at least three to four times because when we had technology upgrades and mergers and acquisitions, I was fortunate enough to be a part of that. So I, I didn't shy away from it. Like when they said, who wants to do this? I always stepped into it. That's another tip that I have for you is step into it. If there's an opportunity, you don't have to know everything right there and then just volunteer and learn along the way. That is the fastest way to accelerate, to earn skills and increase your capabilities and capacities. So I did a lot of that when I was working for the bank. So going back to that story of me and my husband having this conversation, I was like, yeah, I know, I know his skill. He's a great engineer. He's a great, um, you know, IT professional, but I knew what my strengths were. I knew business development. I knew how to run a business working for the bank. Um, at one point I, I went to maybe two, three different branches, but one of the first branches, largest branch that I worked in, I had in under my management, 25 people. So I knew how to coach performance, um, performance wise, payroll, budgeting, all of that. I mean, I was exposed to all of that working for this corporation. So from a business management standpoint and business development standpoint, that was my strength. And so I said, yeah, why not? I know how to do this. <laughs> Let's do it. And really it was a simple conversation like that. And then a month into it, I started networking and I was able to land our first contract and just continue to do it over and over again. And I was able to convince my husband to leave his six-figure-a-year IT manager job at a biotech firm to go into this business with that we started full-time. And mm -hmm. again, that's a different story in itself right there. <laughs> but 14 years later, here we are. We're still thriving in our space. We've got a team here. We are still one of the top IT providers in the region. And I hope that, again, just be inspired. So even going into the IT business, I get asked this often. Did you, do you have an IT background? No, I don't have an IT background. Mm. I learned along the way. Mm. So when I started, then I went back and got my certifications in the field. I started picking up business executive courses just to enhance my knowledge. But I learned as I was going through it. I did not stop to to learn and, and go to school for a number of years and then jump back. It was like, I did it all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I will say that that is the fastest way for anybody to learn anything is to do it and learn. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And I just been taking notes along the way, honestly, mm -hmm. which, which my, my group should be taking too, but <laughs> I like to do this because it's important. Um, you know, and like you said, you know, volunteer and learn along the way. That's really, really powerful. Um, and you got to really speak that into mind, you know, driven to succeed. And look, you went from this interview with this lady, you know, who didn't believe in you at first, seeing your work at it, you working, you climbing up that corporate ladder. And then you realize that, yeah, you know, I'm making good money, but am I really fulfilled? Am I really doing what I'm truly, truly passionate about? Then you got your husband who y'all met each other in high school. And he like, man, we should do this. I think that's amazing because when y'all look back at it, like y'all maybe at dinner or somewhere, or maybe flying out somewhere to a different state or a different country. And y'all could just share that story and just come up with a smile because y'all know how far y'all both came together. Like he was like that person that, that held you 
when you was going through your situation and when he was going through troubles and everything, you was there to hold him down. That's what true love is. That's what, that's what I respect. That's, 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 that's what I love of, about the, you know, the journey when coming together, you know, whether it's a close friend that you meet along the journey and they become somebody like a good friend and business partner or somebody you met in high school that became a lifetime partner or a family member. It's just, it's just interesting. So I thank you for sharing. So I wanted to really, really ask you as well is, um, you know, as y'all grew your company and, and for it to be, where is that today? It's like you say, being top in the, in the IT field. What was that biggest challenge y'all faced? Like you can say like that, you know, that really was, that really brought so much down that you guys kind of was just trying to figure it all out. There have been a lot of business challenges along the way. And I will tell you, and I've shared this in another interview and I'll share the link with you, Terrell, because it's an article. It was an interview turned into an article that to be an entrepreneur, it's one thing, right? There's actually, I have classified about four different types of entrepreneurs. But all to say that you really need to have the grit and the callous to get into even the second and the third level of entrepreneurship because it's not for the faint of heart, <laughs> especially my vision for myself and my business and my family. I want to really be a legacy builder. So let me just share this with you. Entrepreneurship at four levels. So you have your solopreneurs. These are probably a lot of the people out there that starts out as a solo consultant, one person, whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're selling a product or offering a service. Solopreneur, you may work with a virtual assistant here and there, but really it's you. And you call the shots, call the hours, and the earning potential can be however. And then you've got the second level, which is a business owner. And a business owner, is you're really not, to me, in, in my eyes, you're really not a business owner until you have at least two employees and at least making a quarter million dollars or higher and you're actually paying payroll. Okay. Now a small business owner is classified by the United States. It's up to like 400 employees. Isn't that crazy? Because we think 50 employees or hundred employees is a large company, but in the U S if you have less than 350 or 400 employees, you're a small business owner. Hmm. So, um, but that's what I classify as a second level of an entrepreneur. The third one are your legacy builders. Your legacy builders are the ones that have multiple businesses already that have resources that they can continue to reinvest in other things, whether it's in business, they've got a handful, um, dozens even of employees, and they're also investing in other businesses. And then you have your unicorns. Your <laughs> unicorns are like the Steve Jobs. Okay. <laughs> right. The Bill Gates. Oh, there you go. <laughs> all of them. The the unicorns because they definitely they're like impact makers. They're impact builders. So they've graduated. They've graduated from those different levels. So I share that because it's I can tell you so many different parts of my business where we thought we were gonna basically one go bankrupt or two uh, close our business. But again, given that. I know myself and all of those experiences that I've gone through in life. Like, no, I can do this. I can overcome it. And I'm not going to let this one situation and this fear drive the outcome, drive the outcome. So 
I always just focus on what else can I do to be better? How can I get myself out of this situation? So let me give you an example. Um, this is probably the first time that when we started the business in 2006, we experienced, we, we grew from like zero to like 300,000 in like within that period. And then the first recession hit, half of our customers were wiped out. Half of our revenue was gone. And literally there were nights where I couldn't sleep because now I have overhead. Now I have all of these financial liabilities. And there were times where I'm like, do we go back to work? Do we go back and get into a corporate job? And then I had friends of mine who were in the space that did just that. They just couldn't operate because they didn't have enough business. Um, but what gets me to keep going when I say I always have my reference points of my lowest low, I always say, this is not bad. This is not as bad as it really seems to be. How can I at least get me back to just like stabilize and then focus on something that's going to get me to the next thing. So when we experienced our first recession in 2008, nine and 10, mm. that was a really tough period because half of my clients were in the real estate business. Fortunately for me, we had businesses in the manufacturing space that were solid and they were not impacted by the recession. So then I thought to myself, hmm, how can I get more customers in this space? Okay. <laughs> and I went into marketing and, and focused on those clients. And actually we built our business focusing on businesses who can be impacted minimally during a, an economic downturn. Now, is it 100% proof? No, but diversification of your customers, from what I've learned, and I've learned this in, in banking and investing, you have to diversify your investments um, across many, maybe even three to four different areas. So that way, if one area goes down, you still have three or four that's going to hold you up. Okay. So that's the same thing that I've applied in my business is focus on those companies who are thriving well and attracting more of those types of customers. Mm, awesome. I know I got really bus businessy on you really quick. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It happens. It happens. But no, nah, that's amazing. Like you said, and I know you say you, you know, y'all created this company in 2006 and then 2008 is when that recession happened and impacted so many people took losses. I heard so many stories from that, but y'all found another area. Y'all found a solution. And I just think that's amazing because I've never really heard that before, but that's phenomenal to really rise back up. So, you know, I feel like one, one, of, the things, one of the things I will tell you, uh, this is a tip. This is how I live my life. I used to play basketball. Okay. Right. And one of the things that my coach taught me really well is pivot. You pivot. If, hmm. you, if you're over here and you get blocked, what do you do? Do you pivot to get to an open space? So it's the same analogy that you use in business. You may walk into something or experience something that may be a roadblock, but you don't keep staying there because it's a roadblock. Or yeah. it could be a point where like, uh-oh, I cannot go any further here. Hmm. Then what do you do? You pivot. Look for ways to pivot. And then when you find that open pivot area or opportunity, then you go that way. So that's really one of the things that I will share with people. It can be applied into your personal life. 
business life. Don't get this. If you have a wall in front of you, you're walking towards this, whatever your goal to success, and then you hit a brick wall, you just don't stand there and look at the wall. You don't just sit there and give into the wall. Hmm. Look for ways to get around the wall. If not, if you can't walk around the wall, then find a different direction. That's what pivoting is. Absolutely. Now, I love that. That's a, that's a great example too. You know, it's the pivot always. I wanted to um, take some time to really, which I do each and every episode is to show you some gratitude for just being present, being here, sharing your story, being completely transparent and just sharing that love and light, you know, with the world today um, and women out there who are looking to become their own business owner or entrepreneur and start their own tech company may have an idea with a significant other or a husband and they just don't know what direction like, you know, you're that individual that they can really lead to, like you say, and really for advice or to listen to an interview like this or look you up on YouTube or just reach out to you directly to really get some direction and guidance to get to where they need to get to. Um, also, just being that independent, phenomenal woman, you are representing, you know, generations after generations, especially coming from the Philippines and stuff like that. And, you know, making your way in the U.S. where it was so tough for you and you was really at this breaking point when you was young. And you, you know, you had to go through a, a cycle and, and stuff like that, a process. And then, you know, um, it's one event after another, another event. But who was also there for you was like your husband and, and close friends and, and people, family, aunt and everybody like that. When so much was just coming down on you. And now look at you today, you know, beautiful individual who's really making some real tremendous, tremendous um, space in, in the tech business, entrepreneurial um finance, banking, all that type of stuff that you've been involved in throughout the years. I just think that's phenomenal. And I just want to say, you know, uh, really, really congratulations to you and becoming a true overcomer and in, in all the success that you have created for yourself and those around you, especially your kids, you know, because you are a mother first as well. You know, um, today, I think that's phenomenal, you know, honestly. So. Thank you. And I'm honored. I'm honored to share this. And that is what I plan to do is continue to give back by sharing my knowledge and wisdom to people. We are all human beings, um, all sharing an experience in all aspects of life. And even in just this small period of time we've spent together, Terrell, you know that I really have experienced such a unique life. <laughs> My path is never straight, but dang, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's been exciting. I mean, it could have broken me. It could have, you know, every one of us have, an, it could either go down the low path or the high path. And somehow I've always um, pulled my boots up and said, Kathy, we got this. We're going to do all of the right things and the hard things, but it's going to pay off and has led me to the right path. And I have been approached by many people to mentor and coach them. And I do take on select few people that I mentor and coach um, throughout the year. I also work with universities here in the area where they bring their MBA students to me for life and business coaching. But even with that, my time is so limited and I know that my resources need to be more focused on building my business because my goal now is really getting into that tip of the legacy builder part of the four stages of entrepreneurship. And you know about my IT business, 
you know about my consulting and speaking side of the business, but one thing I am going to launch this year is my third business, which is a women's fitness athleisure brand company. I'm so excited to tell you guys, do I have experience in the fashion world? No, but (laughs) I'm eager to get into it. So in my channel, Connect to Your Truth, I share a lot of my own reverse engineering of success in all areas of life. And I throw in spirituality and I say in a universal way because I am all inclusive. At the end of the day, for me, yes, I believe in God. Yes, you know, all of these, but I want to embrace humanity because at the end of the day, we are all human going through, actually, we're all spirit going through human experiences. And um, I'm going to be sharing, I'm still building my YouTube page that, but if you want to learn and get yourself inspired and immerse yourself with some really great tips and stories and mentorship, join me on YouTube. You'll find me there. Absolutely. That's amazing. And congratulations on that. You know, I feel like it ain't about having that years of experience and all this, this stuff that these people used to, you know, we live in a world full of technology, you know, full of just, um, it's a new world. And that's what I love about it because you get to put out something real meaningful, like you said in the beginning and something that can drive other people to, to create something big, you know, because we all know what it starts from the bottom. So guys, go ahead and connect with Kat and, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, support her mission. I don't think I'll ever reach that point in my life where I'll say, I know everything. (laughs) (laughs) I've done everything. And what's been really fun for me is exploring my full potential. Yes. And it's saying, okay, you know, I came, again, going back to all my points of references that I've shared with you here. And I've had my IT company for the last 14 years. I've taught, I've spoken, I've written books, and then now I'm getting into the fashion space. Yes. (laughs) And it's like, to me, that's all about exploration. And so if you can use that same word as you walk out into life and live and engage with life to explore, because if we start with that mindset of something is missing, it's such a different energy like missing, like, what am I missing? I'm not good enough. I'm not that person because they're experiencing so much success. What am I missing? Yeah. Whereas, you know, I am whole and complete. I just need to explore and find and ignite and engage and create and inspire all of that. So I will continue to explore. I'm a great adventurer of my life. Mm-hmm. That is where I'm going wherever it leads me, that's the place where I need to be. So that's basically a better word for me is exploration. Gotcha. I love that. Um, and I know we talked about books early in the episode too, even before the interview. So what are three, three of your favorite top favorite books that you've, you've read, um, books that's helped you along your way in your life and business, um, or so, um, and you know, uh, yeah, yeah. So what are those favorite books of yours? And, you know, recommend them to the uh, audience that they can also read to as well. Game changing, life changing books. Yeah. I mean, I, I told you I love to read books. So narrowing it down to three is really challenging for me, but I will share with you the three books that for me, I still read today. It's like, I go back to it. I listen to it. I read it. I underline, I highlight. One of them is 
Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Guy Kiyosaki. And the reason why I like that book is because of the contrast. Mm -hmm. Just like I shared with you, my contrast, I have a frame of reference of high and lows. Well, in that book, that's Robert Dad, Kiyosaki. Yeah. Robert. Yes. Oh, sorry, not Guy. Yeah, Robert. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It happens. <laughs> yeah, Robert then again gives you this contrast about his dad, who is a professor, and then his best friend's dad, who is an entrepreneur. And just again, the contrast of the mindset. And what he learned is that all of those things that the world tells us is really not true, which I really like. So that was one of the first books that. I know I've read when I was still working for um, the large bank that I worked in because it's a finance book as well. The second one is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yeah. And I cannot, I mean, I know you hear it and a lot of people reference to it in the finance world, but if you take a look at it with a different set of eyes from a spiritual esoteric standpoint, and you're like esoteric standpoint, what does mm -hmm. that mean? Um, look at it not necessarily from a how am I going to get rich it's more like how can I use my energy the best I can possibly can to be of value to the world mm. and when you look at that book from that perspective it just opens you up to other things other than getting rich because getting rich is not the end all and be all of everything um, I've reached financial success been very fortunate in that area but I can tell you there was one point in my life where I had the house I had the family you know me and my husband combined made really good money and I was still depressed yeah. and it's not about that what it is is you got to be able to find for me success and wealth is being able to do what I want to do that makes me happy that is success to me. And when you flow in that energy, all of the other things that will make us financially rich, just flow and follow. And then the third book, and I know we're possibly exceeding time here. This is such a good conversation, Terrell. Thank you. <laughs> um, and this is very traditional, the book of um, Proverbs. Mm. Proverbs is my book. <laughs> and there's such simplicity in that book but yet the profound golden wisdom that is there and it's written by king solomon who during his time is known and is still known as the wisest man who's ever lived because when god asked him what he wanted and god could have given him anything but he asked for godly wisdom and that's what he got. And when he got the godly wisdom, he was able to be that person for his kingdom at that time and has really done some amazing and great things. So Book of Proverbs is one that I live by and love. Mm, that's powerful. I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, go ahead and take that. Take those notes and get those books. Think and Grow Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the Book of Proverbs, most importantly as well. Got to keep keep faith by you and everything of that nature. So, Kat, as we come to a close, my last question for the day. When it's all said and done, what do mostly Miss Kathy David want to be remembered for? Mm. 
I don't know how much of an impact I will make universally, but I do know I want to leave imprints to each individual that I help. And it's not necessarily what I want to be known for. It's more so how can I make someone's life better? So all of us interact with so many different people like you and I are interacting with right now, Terrell. Hmm. I may say something to you that you will hold on for the rest of your life that will change you forever. Will, will people know me for that one thing? No, it, it won't. But if I plant that one seed that will grow into someone's heart and soul and being that may give them that bigger impact, that's really what I want to do. Mm. That's really what my essence is. Now, again, I, will I be known for it? No, but I know I will make an impact through that person I'm interacting with. That to me is one of those things and how I engage with the world. And, um, and I just do it one day at a time, one person at a time. Absolutely. That's powerful. I love that. Plant that seed. So um, where can the people connect with you on social media, your website and everything of that nature? So easy. Just Kathy David, K-A-T-H-Y-D-A-V-I-D. And you put that in your little Google bar. And you'll find me. Um, everything is pretty much branded as Kathy David. And if not, go to Terrell's um, Instagram <laughs> or somewhere where he will post this and you'll find me there. Yes, absolutely. It's been an amazing time with you today. You know, starting off this week very, very strong. I think we're in the second week of uh, January and we're doing it right. Uh, absolutely. You know, um, so guys, you know, I hope this really brought some value into your life really you know change your perspective on life maybe you just thinking negative and there's nothing wrong with that because i once was in that path kathy was once there too surrounded by dark clouds it's now it's time to see the light though ladies and gentlemen you know we're in 2020 we're officially out the teens you know and there's a lot of stuff happening around this world you know i was watching the news the other day but we have to pay attention to good and how we can serve and, and make this world a better place you know honestly so many people trying to bring it down we got to make sure that we don't take away from it, but we make sure we put into to gain and help our young people as well along that way. So, you know, ladies and gentlemen, go ahead and follow Kat, um, at Kathy David, everything, Instagram, subscribe. Um, if you're in tech, tech, you know, reach out to her, you know, business, finance. She has quite of a background and she has she has some quite new stuff working. She's working on as well, you know. Um, so it's amazing, man. You know, um, and I want you all to really, really know that you are matter. You matter that you are not alone, and that the Inspire Before We Expire community is here for you. Um, and and that you know you can always reach out. And I want you guys to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes of what really, really stood out most to you from this interview, or so. Um, before we get out of here, Kate, you got some last words you want to share with the audience? I am just so grateful to share this space with you, Terrell, to share with your with your tribe and i hope that everybody found this really inspirational and just remember believe in yourself because you believe in yourself everybody will yes powerful i'm terrell sumter that's miss kathy david the lady herself um you know business owner orator 
fashionista, you know, uh, uh, IT expert, you name it, man, honestly. Just an all-around phenomenal, phenomenal individual, you know, um, somebody to connect with and learn from, listen to, to implement the information into your life because new information changes situations. This is Inspire Before We Expire, and we're out. Woo! Yes, sir.